Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to our weekly podcast, Under the Macroscope, with the Chief Strategist in the UK office of Skybound Capital, Jabir Sadawala, in which we take a look at some of the news items that are affecting global markets and macro conditions around the globe over the past week. Inevitably, we are going to have a brief discussion about that interview involving Oprah Winfrey and Harry and Meghan, but uh, perhaps from a perspective that you, you wouldn't really expect. Uh, we're going to see how it reflects on the way uh, various people consume media these days and, and form opinions. But first of all, uh, to the US we go, and the biggest news of the week, undoubtedly, uh, the announcement and confirmation of the US stimulus package, which was uh, signed in to law by President Joe Biden. Jabir, your thoughts on that, and perhaps more pertinently, uh, the effect that the stimulus package is going to have, not only in the US, but globally. Yeah, hi, Matt. It is, it is big news. And, you know, first thing to say, I think, is um, uh, congratulations to Joe Biden for getting this through. I mean, I think a lot more resistance was expected. Um, I certainly expected it. I thought he would have a tougher time with the Republican senators. But um, he has managed to get this through with with relative ease. There was uh, the amount of editing that took place in the final stages was really quite small. It was just to do with income brackets and who received, uh, who qualified for some of those benefits. But otherwise, everything about the stimulus bill um, is intact. So well done to him on that. Second point is that you know it's uh, it's a full 1.9 trillion. Um, people were saying that you know there'll be some compromise and we'll probably settle around 1.4, 1.5, but it's the full 1.9 trillion. Um, and as for the implications, I mean, this is huge. This this is equivalent to nine percent of U.S. GDP. I mean, it's difficult to fathom just what this means. There are many different components to it, but um, one of them, arguably the most important, is uh, the direct payments portion, which totals four hundred billion dollars of that package, and that involves um, um, payments, the next round of payments, uh, of fourteen hundred dollars. That just goes directly to households. Obviously, it depends on your income bracket, but it's it's um, it's it's going to hit most households very comfortably. And imagine fourteen hundred dollars going into your pocket, you know, and you're at liberty to spend or save. A lot of them have been saving. Just think of the impact that this has um, at a time when their vaccination program is going incredibly well. Um, they're now looking at having pretty much you know everyone vaccinated by may um that's been boosted and aided by the other vaccine suppliers coming on board um there's been a lot of cooperation and collaboration between the big makers um and suddenly now you've got this big stimulus round coming through which replaces and tops up the last one that we had in december in addition it comprises other things 350 billion dollars worth of support to state and local governments um, 56 billion to childcare, 170 billion to schools. Yeah, these are these are big figures. Um, unemployment insurance receives 163 billion. Uh, public health, 109 billion. Uh, small businesses aid, and that's an important one. It's 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 relatively speaking only 48 billion. 
but considering the portion of the economy that uh, SMEs, small to medium-sized enterprises make up, that's a big boost. You know, that it almost has a multiplier effect in its own right. Um, housing assistance of 45 billion. Um, last but not least, food aid, 12 billion. You know, we forget often the, um, the level of sort of borderline poverty that does exist in America. Um, so that's a, a, a significant step too. And often I just try to think about what implications that has, you know, you've heard me uh, rant on about uh, yields and inflation in the past. I think what we've seen so far in terms of yields is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, things have gone a little bit quiet at the moment on the yields front, but they remain elevated, even though they've uh, pulled back a bit. But uh, I think, you know, wait until the easing starts and um, um, suddenly this now, uh, you know, you have the, uh, the handouts coming through. Um, that's going to be the next big lift to the economy. Jabir, it, it may be an unfair question, but in your opinion, how much time does this buy? Oh, I think... Um, Okay, I, that's, that's a very interesting question because this is linked to almost sort of like a multiplier effect. Um, so it, it is a, it's a very relevant question. And it's also relevant in another respect, which is um, people, I think, rather mistakenly focus on, um, on things like unemployment. And we know that, you know, in order to get back, if, if we assume that we want to return to pre-COVID levels, then uh, you're going to have to get something like between 10 and 12 million people back into work. Um, but my view, and I don't think I'm being um, over-optimistic about this, is that in an extremely flexible economy like the US, the labor market is also very, very flexible. Um, so it, to me, it's upside to play for. Therefore, I think it's quite feasible that by the end of this year, we could actually see levels returning. So unemployment right now is in the order of, it's just over 6%. If we want to bring that down to just over 4%, which is where it was pre-COVID, I think that's very doable because, you know, it's a service-based economy. So I think the bulk of it can be done by the end of this year. We may marginally have to go into the start of next year, Q1. But I think the bulk of it can be done this year. So interesting stimulus uh, package announced in the US. If we uh, go from west radically to the east, uh, another fascinating uh, bit of stimulus provided by another government in, in Australia. We saw the announcement of... Uh, government subsidy uh, for flights, uh, yeah. domestic flights to, to re-stimulate domestic tourism in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And, I th and actually, I think it's a great move. It's a great move. I, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's debatable who this benefits the most. Um, we know that various national carriers have uh, had their issues. Um, and they have needed financial assistance. That's for sure. I actually, personally, I don't have an issue with that. I think um, I think the second most important thing to a country's flag is its national carrier. It is their symbol. So, um, but when you look at this, I mean, the Australian government is going to subsidise eight hundred thousand domestic flights between first uh, of April and thirty first of July. Um, 
and it's going to cost them about 1.2 billion Aussie dollars. Um, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think that's, um, I, I think what that can achieve for the economy is massive. Um, tourism is worth over 60 billion Aussie dollars. That's how big that industry is. Uh, and it employs about 5% of the nation's workforce. So it's an important thing to do. You know, it's also a service-based economy. Um, so they have to do this. And the government will pay 50% of the cost of flying to 13 des different destinations uh, within Australia. Um, and is also expected to provide financial assistance to the likes of Qantas and Virgin between 1st of April and 31st of October. Um, and that's when they expend, uh, you know, and 31st October is when they expect international flights to be resumed. It could be resumed even sooner if they get the COVID passport uh, issue sorted out. So bearing all of that in mind, I think it's a, it's a price worth paying. We had something similar in a different sector, which was the eat out to help out. Yeah. And that was very successful here. You know, it's um, the cost of that was like a, a drop in the ocean compared to furlough. Um, but it was a big boost to the point that many restaurants just, you know, were fully booked. <laughs> and then as soon as it ended, <laughs> you know, they were empty again. Um, so I, I think um, I think this is one of many initiatives that you're going to start to see across different uh, countries just to stimulate the whole uh, revival. Interesting one to keep an eye on. I do think uh, South African listeners to the pod would uh, argue that uh, support for a national airline uh, appropriate up to a point, Jabir. No yeah, further. no, I, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the political ramifications of that one. You yeah. don't. Just to finish off, I, I mentioned uh, that interview between uh, Oprah Winfrey and uh, Meghan Markle, Prince Harry. Uh, the responses have been extraordinary in both directions. And, and without getting into the detail, of the interview, what it really does for me, Jabir, is to show how polarizing uh, a lot of the mainstream media can be at the moment. And in many ways, a reflection of the political climate in the world. There seems to be uh, a diversion from the center in, in both directions um, and opinion in a number of mainstream media houses, very much swayed in one direction or the other. And that poses challenges of, of where do you find um, a balanced view? What's yours? Um, I think you're, you're quite right. And in fact, it's, you, can, uh, you can stretch that to other parts of, um, of, you know, of, of the different sectors, basically. I mean, when I'm looking for reports, when I'm looking at commentary and research, um, it's no different there. You can easily fall into the biases of different reporters and different journalists. Um, and what I try and do as a discipline is to, uh, is to try and find an opposing view to something that I've come to settle on, just to test the thesis. Um, I think what that interview highlighted is just how easy it is to go with the sway. And that for me is a big, big concern. I don't think people today really sort of look to try and form their own opinion. I think they um, are too content to just become influenced by what's being said, you know, by others. Um, and that's a real shame. And the challenge today, and it's perhaps the reason why people call it contrarian, 
um, is to find a balanced view and then you, you know, end up expressing your own. It is a very big problem today. It's a really big problem. I struggle with it, but um, yeah, I always uh, just try and find an opposing view to test the thesis. Well, that's why I generally come to you for a, a balanced view. Thank and you. Always uh, appreciate your thoughts, your views. Uh, Jabir produces his week in review, which comes out every Monday, and uh, alongside the publication uh, of uh, Under the Macroscope, which as I mentioned, is available at Skybound Capital's website, www.skyboundcapital.com, also on Apple, Spotify, and on the Google podcast platform for Android. So uh, some interesting topics, once again, to keep an eye on uh, in the coming weeks and months. And so until next time, goodbye.